You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Forty-two cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you. And this time, we're going to talk about something a little different than we normally do, because we're going to talk about uh, the how Hollywood is digitally recreating actors completely. Not only performances and appearances, but now even voices. So uh, we're going to talk about that, going to talk about um, what we think about that and what we think it means for the future of uh, film and television. Uh, but before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, she is the director of the American Sci-Fi and Fantasy track at DragonCon, and that is Kelly. How are you doing, Kelly? Hi. I'm doing great. I'm good, relaxing in the post-Dragon Con time of year before things ramp up again. So it's all good. It doesn't, doesn't Dragon Con start up again like in a month? Well, I probably have till January before I have to start really thinking about okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like election cycles. It's like as soon as the previous one is over, they start prepping for the next one. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, we do have some year-round stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how have you been since the last time you were on? Pretty good, pretty good. So, I mean, life is always up and down, but that's how life is. But there's been so much awesome, geeky stuff coming out. I'm, like, spending way too much time in front of the TV, in front of the screen of some sort. Ah, the trials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you always like to complain about how much content there is out there that you want to watch. Because I'm like, you know... <laughs> 20 I, years I ago, we didn't really yeah, have like a lot. Four we... shows. Four shows was about it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you were happy when there was four shows at the same time that you were really interested in. Yep. Yeah. But uh, no, it's good to have you back on the show, Kelly. Thanks. All right. Next up, you know him as the maestro of the marquee, and that is Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, I've got the world on a string. I'm sitting on a rainbow. You know, it's a big string. Okay. All right. So uh, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on the show? Oh, man, I just got back from another road trip. Uh, I've become the traveling uh, fins uh, this year. Hmm. Uh, drove to Madison, Wisconsin and back again to participate in, in Gamehole Con. You didn't feel it was, you know, like you since you were right next door to like give me a call or anything. I was beset with so much gameriness happening <laughs> and that uh, I didn't think to call anybody. Also, whenever I leave, you know, here's the deal with being a Texan. Mm. I have no concept of space and time outside of Texas. <laughs> I mean, you might as well, you know, when they say, you know, well, Wisconsin's just two hour, two two days drive. I go, I guess, okay, 
I wouldn't know because, you know, it's not the distance from Austin to Dallas. So I just, you know, it, it's sad, really. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, Bill Willingham and my buddy Brad Tomty drove in from uh, Minnesota, mm. uh, or, or Michigan, rather, to see me. Yeah. They surprised me at Gamehole Con with the same sort of like, why the hell didn't you tell us you were coming? I'm like, I... Don't you live like like seven thousand light years away from here? And they're like, no, nah, it's three hours. How is it three hours? We're not in Texas. So yeah, I just uh, I, I've given up on trying to be a responsible adult. Uh, I post my, shit, you take it where you can get it. If you think you can get to me, I'd love to see you. You know, uh, but I just I can't I can't get out the ruler and the map and start triangulating or folding space you know with spice and stuff yeah, it's okay it's just i had friends go to chicago this year too and i'm like people <laughs> i'm right I there i know i know i, <laughs> I feel bad the same, same I kind do. of thing like oh i didn't realize that you were that close and i'm like what the, I, as god is my witness the next time i get uh north of oklahoma i will tell everyone i know where i'm gonna be okay and then you can just sign in with like hey let's do lunch i'm like yeah cool don't know where you are but i'll find you you know <laughs> that's what you should do it's what should. i should do you're yeah, right see, it's, it's like i don't have like you know like i don't have any friends in the area uh near i mean in the close area um and uh, so it's like one of those things where it's like when i have friends you know from like the east coast which is primarily where most of the people i know are from travel out this way it's like come on like I know. <laughs> let's do something together so. well I, and and to be fair i literally just showed up to do the game whole thing and then mm. we turned we didn't even stay the full four days mm. i i was we were back on the road by sunday so um it, it I, my chicago trip will be a very different trip you know when i when i when i get back up that way so so lunch is on me i swear to god okay all right well all it's right. good to have you back on the show mark always always great to be here all right and next up we have someone from madison wisconsin or nearby and that is my friend miranda how are you doing miranda hi i'm doing good so uh what's been going on for you since the last time you were on the show i adopted cats so that's been super super exciting to have little little fur balls in my life who mm -hmm. uh are always getting into mischief but i love them so that's that's been that's been my life the cat life <laughs> well i know you just got i mean i say just but it's probably been a year by now but uh, you know you just got your own place but did you have did, have you ever had cats before no, I haven't, because this is the first time I've lived on my own. So it's the first mm -hmm. time I haven't, like, you know, lived with someone with allergies or something. Uh, so, okay. yeah, it's been it's it's been my dream for a long time. And I finally fulfilled my dream of becoming a cat lady. Like, <laughs> it's all happening for me. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. And what are your cat's names? Belle and Jasmine. Mm. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I, I have Felicia. That's my black cat. Nice. Yeah i uh she is awesome and uh yeah i i always thought i was a dog person uh but now i think i'm a cat person because uh the dog and i the dog prefers my wife and felicia oh. prefers me so i think i've just decided that i'm a cat person now so hey it's an honor to be chosen by a cat so. that's right. <laughs> well that's cool that's cool it's good to have you back on the show miranda good to be here and finally 
We have someone that has been brought to us by the American Sci-Fi and Fantasy Track, but he's also been on the show to talk about things like movies that are so bad they're good, and that is Daviar. How are you doing, Daviar? What's going on, everybody? Uh, I uh, am doing well and happy to be here. All right. And how have you been since you were on the show to talk about awful movies? Yeah, you know, uh, it, see, this is November 1st, and this is kind of like the day after Christmas, because, you know, Halloween is is the, the greatest holiday of the year. And the day after is always a letdown because, you know, you're just sitting there with your candy. And now it's like, it, it's like, literally, it's like, I've got the, the decoration still up, but it doesn't have the same effect because the day is now gone and it's a bummer because it's 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 you just spend the whole month just getting ready and anticipating and partying and watching horror movies all month and then it's over and it's just like oh now i gotta wait another 365 days for this just like christmas so i'm kind of recovering from that but you know other than that you know i, I i'm making do and again i'm up here in canada uh i was about uh, to ask if you're still in canada yeah i'm still in canada and it's and it's funny up here because canada doesn't celebrate halloween the way the state do the states make it a smorgasbord right it's a soiree and up here in canada it's just kind of like a, a little a little whimper so i, I had to kind of i had to kind of make my own fun this year and uh which also kind of led to like the letdown because i put a lot of effort into it and now and now again it's over and uh so I, i'll see what i can do next year in preparation of but happy halloween everybody thank you and hard agree on the on the day after yeah there's nothing what do we do what do we do i mean even when i watch horror movies it's like it's not it's you know i still love them still my favorite genre but it's like just just a little bit less energy behind it yep that's right uh i own a movie theater and so last night we watched uh double feature plan nine from outer space and night of the living dead nice yeah it was a it was a it was a good double yeah not bad and when you watch that on halloween weekend as compared to like november 15th it's a whole different vibe uh, totally yeah the, i'm, I'm a lot less critical the, on halloween yeah. <laughs> except halloween kills i'll be critical about that all day yeah <laughs> all right what is that podcast? all right we're gonna we're gonna, t- we're gonna table this because it's turning oh, into a different podcast oh sorry apologies <laughs> apologies apologies everybody stay I'm on sorry. track sorry uh, stay on target uh but yeah wr it's good to have you back on the show you're welcome all right so next up you know what time it is and it's time for our five minute controversy and for those of you just tuning in for the first time our five minute controversy is just a way for us to loosen up before we talk about our main topic and gives you a little insight into how we feel about something that's going on in pop culture right now and so i picked a topic that we've kind of talked about similar things before but i wanted to bring this up because it is a slightly different spin you know, we've talked about Bill Maher's comments that he uh, crassly uh, decided to drop uh, when Stanley passed away, which kind of attacked Marvel fans. And we've talked about uh, Roger Corman, of all people's comments, about the plot of Marvel movies. Uh, but this time James Cameron is coming to us talking about the characters. Uh, in Marvel films specifically. Uh, Basically, the gist of his statement was that um, Marvel characters are like college students. Um, They don't uh, grow and develop. And that Avatar is so much better and you should go watch it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I mean, the quotes there. I mean, he talks about how his characters are just so much more dynamic in Avatar. So, I mean, 
Uh, so yeah, I'm really curious how people are going to talk. Like, like even even the even those of you who love the Marvel movies, do you think there's anything any merit uh, to what James Cameron is saying here? So. First off, I want to throw a little chaos in here with somebody whose opinion I have absolutely no idea what she thinks, and that is you, Miranda. Um. Well, honestly, I I'm not a huge Marvel fan, so I I kind of agree with him a little bit. I do feel like, I mean, and I don't think it's just I think like all superhero media in general kind of suffers from like the lone wolf syndrome, where it's like the the superheroes they they can't have like you know, spouses or children because it like somehow ties them down and they can't go out and be, you know, superheroes and stuff. And I there's there's a lot of instances of they give them love interest just to kill them off so they can have angst. And and I, you know, that I, I do kind of feel that there is there is some merit in there. Uh, that being said, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily know that every movie necessarily needs to have like huge <laughs> character development. I mean, I think people go to Marvel movies because they're just, they're kind of empty headed fun. You know, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed some of them and, you know, some I don't, but it's just like, you know, it, it is what it is. People obviously like it. I mean, I, I don't think his new Avatar movie has come out yet, so we can't really judge if it's any better. So. Right, no, and that's, that's that's why I don't want to really focus on that part, although I did find it funny that he then counterpointed it with his own film. At least when Roger Corman made, like, disparaging remarks on Marvel, he compared it to James Cameron movies. It wasn't, it, he didn't compare it to his own movies, because it's kind of like, little ego there, buddy. But... Uh, <laughs> All right. But okay. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely understanding your medium is uh, key too, I think, because, you know, movies are kind of finite, you know, in a way that like uh, long form storytelling is not. So I don't know how much development, you know, you can certainly have development in a movie, but also yeah. it's like. I mean, yeah, yeah. And I, and I would also say that I think like the TV, TV series I've seen based on the Marvel universe have been better with character development than the movies I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I've, and I've enjoyed that. So I think, yeah, I think it also could just be a symptom of like the medium by movies. You just, you don't always get as much time to develop character arcs. So when they're trying to fit in lots of explosions and whatnot, you know, it's probably harder. <laughs> okay. Um, Mark, what do you think about all this? Okay. I'm surprised you're not going to let me back clean up, but I'll, I'll just, I'll be brief here. I'll be as brief as I can be. First of all, Cameron is trying to trend. I refuse to believe he is that willfully ignorant of Marvel films because this is the guy that made a Terminator movie. This is the guy who made Terminator 2. This is the guy who has been pushing the technical envelope right up to and including Avatar, so much so that he keeps fiddling and futzing with stuff that it's taken him, you know, nearly a decade to come out with a sequel. All right. He's playing his own game, and that's fine. But he's always been a genre nerd. And for him to suddenly start with this, well, I just don't understand the Marvel movies. I don't get why. What is this spectacle? Well, what is this spectacle, director of the Titanic? What do you think it is, you chucklehead? So, so yeah, yeah, really, this pearl clutching on his part is disingenuous at best and, and scandalous at worst. And secondly, he is willfully and intentionally cherry-picking his instances uh, that he's using to sort of construct his argument. Oh, and here's the thing. He's still wrong. Mm -hmm. Every single one of these movies 
in the first 10 years is a is 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 a is a Gen X analogy. And it's specifically a Gen X analogy with regards to um people who have been in a relationship with absent or broken or missing family members having to assume the role of responsibility of being an adult. You can look at Iron Man and that tracks even at the uh, that tracks at the beginning of the first at the end of the first movie. By the first movie's end, he has supplanted his uh his father figure uh, to take control of his company that no longer because he no longer wants to do the thing that his dad did. Uh, every single one of these things is about is about growing up, becoming a different person. And granted, they're very masculine centered. It's all about like father figures and and what what it means to be a man or you know not a man. I mean, Captain America is that analogy. In Thor, we have a very Shakespearean, evocative sort of uh, deal. I want I want to be the king. You know, I deserve to be the king. You're not worthy to be the king. All of these things are about maturity. They're about growing into the person that you're meant to be and supposed to be. And the notion that hopping on the back of a flying lizard is somehow transcendent. And Iron Man's sacrifice at the end of Infinity War is meaningless, is ridiculous. And if I see him, I'd like to tell him two things. Hey, I love your movies. And two, shut the hell up about Marvel films. I get that you're jealous and you can't make them as fast as anybody else. I get that. I understand that. I think there's a lot of jealousy built into this argument. I see it. And, and you know, granted, he's been he's got no one to blame but himself for that. He could be moving faster if he wanted to be. Scorsese, I'll give him a pass because he's he's really at this point kind of on the way out anyways but not james cameron james cameron still wants to make blockbuster movies that require 3d glasses to see uh william castle much so yeah, yeah just yeah. just just knock it off you you simpleton I, my first who, who, who are you trying to impress Mark, you know I, I but, but hey you got your 48 hours on twitter so congrats let's see what else you can say uh, you know, before the before the movie comes back out, let's see if we can't just gin up a little more controversy. I, I'm sure the box office will not be impaired at all by whatever horrible thing comes out of your mouth next about, oh, I don't know, why don't you pick on Black Widow while you're at it? You know, she died saving the universe. That's a sacrifice. Feel free. Have at it, James. You're the man. Yeah, the right. first reaction I had when I saw that article was, you mean like Jack and Rose? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like. <laughs> hey, thank you, Nathan. Yes, thank exactly. <laughs> I didn't even have to think about it first. Oh, no, who's kidding? Movie that came to mind. <laughs> that guy's a pratsatka, and I'll tell him to his face. <laughs> all right, um, Kelly, uh, what do you think about all this? Well, uh, I kind of agree with Mark. I, I guess I'm getting the sense that Cameron's trying to trend, that he's trying to be like paint himself as the Artur that Scorsese is. Yeah, I'm like, yes, I can do these things. But of course, the example he's citing from Avatar stuff we haven't seen, and it's about kids. He doesn't talk about his previous Avatar, or like let alone Terminator, Abyss, anything like this. All of those are like i'm sorry I, you know when you think emo you can kind of get a lot of cameron stuff <laughs> so that's about as teenager as you can get now that's not to say the trope of the parents dying and all that 
is it much longer ago than Marvel? You know, people have joked about Disney kids and, you know, the princes is all are orphaned. And this is not something new. <laughs> so it's like this has been going on, whatever excuse it is to get somebody to this journey. That's fine. Yes, it's harder to do it in a movie because you only got the two hours. I can remember people making jokes about Star Trek versus Star Wars. Oh, the character development is so much more in Star Trek. You had 66 hours to do it. You better have done some character <laughs> development. So, you know, get a clue. It, it, part of it is the time constraints. If you could do any character growth in two hours, you're doing well. That's it. Okay. Dad VR? Yeah, it, it's, it's almost hard to even get... It, it amped up about it because it's so obvious just what he's doing. He's trying to sell a movie and and, to, and and you go after the biggest dog on the block. I mean, this is a guy who is so jealous of Marvel. He put out Avatar for like two weeks after uh, in after uh, Endgame hit two billion. It, it was the new number one movie of all time just so Avatar could retake the throne. Like this is a guy who lives in such Marvel envy. And, and to bring up these examples about these characters that don't grow, it, it is like at the crux of Marvel superhero dumb, it's all about sacrifice. Marvel's most Marvel's biggest movie in the last year, Spider-Man No Way Home, had our lead character sacrifice the love of his life, sacrifice knowing the love of his life and his best friend in order to keep them safe so that they can live their own lives without the burden of knowing his secret and having his danger be put upon them. That is a hero's moment and a hero's action. And it's all, and they do that because it's all about, again, it's about the sacrifice, what you have to give up to be a hero. Because having a hero, being a hero means you can't have it all. It comes with sacrifice in order to do good. So to kind of use that example as your example of how their movies are immature, are, are immature it's just so ridiculous. I mean, we have a scene in, 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 in Avengers uh, Age of Ultron where Black Widow talks about why she can't have kids because guess what? I was genitally mutilated in order to be who I am. I mean, talk about mature subject matter for for these mar silly Marvel movies. So it's just kind of like it's it's. It's not, it's not something to be taken seriously. He's just selling, he's just trying to sell his movie. And I'll even contract, uh, Mark, I'll count to you on one point in that I refuse to believe that he doesn't know these Marvel movies. I actually do believe he doesn't know these Marvel movies because I think he's so jealous of them, he doesn't even watch them. And that's how he can say something as, as vapid and idiotic as that. All right, yeah, Daviar, you actually went the place that I was going to go, that I think that James Cameron hasn't watched a Marvel movie since the first Spider-Man with Tobey mm -hmm. Maguire. I bet he watched that because he was going to direct the first Spider-Man movie for a long time, because yeah. I bet he wanted to see like what they did with it. Because the kind of comments that he's making, and to be fair, he also made it about DC movies, where I think there's a little more merit, but we won't get into that nuance. Um, but the comments that he's making are very much about the sort of older superhero movies that marvel put out you know the old spider-mans the old x-men's those kinds of movies that were very much just um you know action pieces and whatnot what marvel's been able to do that no one's ever done before and that other people are trying to imitate now is creating a an expanding multi-franchise you know other movies have had sequels which allows you of course more development time but no one's ever had multiple franchises that all interconnect with each other right. that then all grow and expand and allow for character development to go 
and expand and interact with each other and, and different characters. I mean, so the, the thought that comes to mind directly refuting Cameron, which again, I haven't seen Avatar 2, but his comment was about two characters who have become parents and their perspective changes, is Avengers Endgame. You know, uh, Tony Stark, you know, uh, selfish, a selfish douchebag that he is, has become a father. You know, he's married, he has a father. And what does Tony Stark do? Spoilers for a movie that's three years old, people. Turn off now if you don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> Tony Stark sacrifices himself to save the world for his child. You know, I mean, primarily. I mean, it's for other people, too, and everything. But it's like, but he's a father, and he feels the weight of that fatherhood upon him. And that is that is how Tony Stark has grown and matured as a person. Yeah. But, and so that's the thing. It's like to me, it's it's that that alone shows it. And that's the thing. Typically, movies don't give you the development time that TV shows do because TV shows, you know, you get thirteen episodes, twenty-two episodes, ten episodes, whatever. A lot more screen time, a lot more development time. Um, but I think Marvel, by doing things this way, has allowed them to grow their characters in a way that movies typically don't allow you to do. So yeah, I think I think on the face of it, that this is just this this comment. I just don't. I can't agree with it, but I don't think, and that's the thing though. I don't know that James Cameron's even seen a Marvel movie. And if he has, maybe it was like, he saw like the first Iron Man or so he saw one of the early MCU ones, maybe, but I doubt he's been watching them religiously. So, you know, I kind of hope you're right. I, I, I kind of hope you're right because, because then I can go, well, you know, it, it, at least, at least you can plead ignorance. Right. And, mm -hmm. and because I think, I, I think that that filmmakers are, are the kind of people like writers and actors and all that. You know, when you're in the creative arts, you can't help but but look at the thing that you do and and take it apart. You know, mentally. You know, you, if you're a painter, you look for the brush strokes to try and figure out the technique. If you're an actor, you go, oh yeah, that's that. If you're a director, you go, oh, he's using quick cuts. You know, what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I I'd like to think that he's smart enough as a filmmaker and a creator and a writer to to pick out these themes which are not even cleverly hidden <laughs> but rather right there on the sleeve for everybody to see and and so at least if he hadn't seen them you could go well you really need to sit down and watch about 35 hours and then and then and then get back to me watch seven movies watch the first just, just go from Iron Man to the Avengers, and 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 tell me if you think you still have that opinion. You know, you could at least give it, give that to him and try. But um, uh, because because the, because the other answer is that this is a, a calculated move, mm, right? Yeah. And 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 I I'm I've never been a fan of kicking somebody uh, aside so that you can stand in their spotlight for a little bit, mm. right? Yeah. That's that's just grimy so anyways I, I will say considering the you know how many kids he has these are not little children he has anymore that i can't believe he hasn't seen a marvel movie if nothing you know when his kids watch them so unless he didn't allow them to watch any media stuff I, I would say knowing the the ego of an artist, uh, I, I could easily see him just guffawing at even the idea. Like, <laughs> I can make something better than that. Yeah, I, don't I mean, I, mean that. I don't want us to go too far down this. Yes. 
I don't want us to go too far down this rabbit hole. But anyway, yeah, I mean, maybe he's seen a MCU movie or two, you know, but I doubt that he's watched them comprehensively, right. especially with a comment like that. But anyway, that is the end of our five minute controversy that never goes five minutes, but <laughs> I think we've come to a resolution here anyway. Uh, but yeah, now we're going to talk about uh, digital recreations of actors. I wish I had a better way of referring to this. It just always seems like a mouthful. Oh, um, I got one for you when you get started. I'll, okay. I'll hook you up. All right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but first we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Drew Leiter here, inviting you to join Cletus Jacobs and I as we journey into a new era of the DC Universe, Dawn of the DC. Join us each week as we review comics, television, and movies. There might even be a surprise guest or two along the way. Thanks for your continued support, and we look forward to talking more DC with you. The Earth Station DCU podcast comes out weekly and is part of the ESO Network. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we are going to talk about um actors and creating digital versions of actors and i mean i guess it's a move that's been starting ever since the days of forrest gump um and sort of recreating historical figures um and and putting them into movies um but you know it's been kind of a slow process you know from there to where we are here uh but we're at a point now when you can watch the mandalorian and mark hamill can be completely not not well, it wasn't Mandalore, it was the Book of Boba Fett, oh. um, where Mark Hamill wasn't even involved in it. But you have a character that looks, moves, and sounds just like Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker and seamless in a way that it never was before. Um, so I am uh I, I'm kind of interested in, in everybody's take because there's several different you know ways to go on this. But first of all, Mark, since you since you front-loaded us. By saying that you have a term for this, I, I'm I'm curious what your term is. Well, the term is called shimping, uh, and it actually refers to something that has been in the in the film industry for a long time. Uh, uh, Shimp Howard uh, died uh, of a heart attack very suddenly at the age of uh, he was in his late fifties, early sixties. Anyways, he um, the the Stooges had a contract. Uh, to fulfill for Columbia. And so they used a combination of, of like footage of him from other things and a body double to, um, to, to basically fill in whenever they needed something, you know, with shimp in the, in the frame. And they'd always show him like from the, from behind or from, you know, uh, from the side with, or he, he's got something, he's coming in with a newspaper in front of his face or, you know, just something so you couldn't see that it was him. Uh, he had a stunt double that they used for a couple of things. And then uh, they used, an, a, I think his brother, or there was some other person uh, that was close to them that looked kind of like Shemp. And so they would do that. Hmm. The most famous example of this, of course, is Plan 9 from Outer Space, where they got the uh, the dentist uh to to stand in for bella lugosi uh despite there being a height difference and just an everything difference 
you know, and he just walked with his cape in front of his face <laughs> like so. So that's that's called shimping. That's a thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think that since what we have now is something, you know, using the deep fake technology, I think you could go digital shimping. I think okay. you are digital shimp if you want to get, you know, brevity you know with it but uh yeah that that's it i think that's what we're dealing with here you know okay uh, that's fair i i but i before we get to really get into it i do want to sort of disclose everybody to disclose where they stand professionally with regard to this as far as like experience uh you know with with acting and and whatnot so you know i'll go first i took drama in high school that's the extent of it for me <laughs> so um uh, but what about you kelly i have mixed feelings on it i work at an entertainment media school so mm. we do a lot of digital work um I see. I very distinctly was thinking about the very first digital version when they did Fred Astaire in the commercial, and I was thinking about that. And there was a big uproar because the rights were not included. So I think as we progress and technology gets more involved, and you have more actors being okay with it, like Mark Hamill totally gave the thumbs up to uh, his appearance, and I'm sure he got some money for it. <laughs> it's still his appearance, right. but and I think as actors say okay and that is part of their contracts then then it'll be more okay but i think kind of going back that's a little trickier because obviously some of these actors are long gone and getting permission is unless you're going to go to their state like with peter cushing so yeah well let me tell you let me tell you the fact that James Earl Jones is still with us, but has signed away the rights to his own uh -huh. voice uh -huh. is kind of disturbing to me. But we're we're gonna get we're gonna get into that a with, little more with certain conditions. It's not like blanket. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, Miranda, what about you? Um. Yeah. I mean, like as as I'm I'm not a professional actor, but I have acted and i do know people who are professional actors or trying to be professional actors it it's a concerning trend to me like from an industry standpoint when there are so many people out there who are trying to make it as actors and it's you know taking away potential roles you know because i mean a lot of these things could be recast you know and you know that so I, I find it a little disturbing just from an ethical labor standpoint you know to just uh you know be digitally recreating people instead of hiring new people um you but know you do i work mean, in the theater industry though right yes uh, yeah. yes yes um so yeah t to me that 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 concerns me uh a, a little bit i mean and also just also what what um you know kelly mentioned about making sure that the actors you know involved have have given permission to have their likeness or their you know estate has given permission and that they are getting paid for this mm -hmm. for the use of their their image their voice all these things that 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 needs to be making sure that that's always happening and at an affair rate because um in, unless you're like an a-list hollywood actor acting is 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 criminally undervalued and underpaid and mm -hmm. it's it's a very difficult profession to 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 make work so that you know that's just just making sure that everything is fair and good labor practices is 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 a big concern i i, I feel personally <laughs> all right daviar Oh, okay. So I am a professional actor. I've been a professional actor for almost 30 years now uh, on stage. Uh, I've done film and voiceover work. And for me, this is, it's a very complex issue 
because I there's a case for my case for it is in small doses for very spe uh, specific circumstances, such as if you're if you have a scene where it's set in the 1960s and, and it's the Forrest Gump scenario where you're meeting President K Kennedy and you can have that, you can have an actor do the voice, uh, but you're getting this digital creation of President Kennedy. And there's a sense of movie magic that works about it, because oftentimes what they'll do is cast an actor who looks nothing like Kennedy and it pulls you out of that moment. Whereas if you have this digital recreation of Kennedy, it kind of keeps you in this moment and this kind of sense of movie magic that works. But again, in doses, uh, because I don't think like in the Luke Skywalker situation that it hurt, that it that it works when you have a full role that a person has to do over multiple scenes. Because I think at that point, the scenes start to show pretty quickly. Like when Luke first showed up and he's just sitting there uh, with, with, uh, with with the child or Gogu, and, and, and you just see his face and he's just sitting there not saying anything. You're like, oh, that really works. But then when he has the scenes later uh, with Grogu and they're walking and they're talking, it is so awkward and they can't focus on his face for too long because the mouth doesn't quite work and it kind of pulls you out so it's doing the same thing that a badly that a badly cast actor playing nixon or kennedy would do for you as well and 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 i'm always for like and i'm for recasting when it can when it really can work for the role uh i mean there was a big call for sebastian stan to be playing young luke instead of doing the digital creation anyway and you go back to some classic examples from history one of the most famous being robert de niro playing the young version of don corleone in the godfather 2 where you get this spectacular career making performance from de niro without what they would have probably done nowadays which is cast the digital version of, of marlon brando and kind of let him kind of come back and do the voice so it's a case for each level of it. So I think there's just needs to be specificity in what we're doing and in why. So I think it's complicated. I think it's complicated and it, and it's, and it's depends. It's, it varies from situation to situation. All right. And Mark. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm with Davior on this. Uh, uh, as a, as someone who has, um, uh, directed and performed on stage and, uh, written and produced and all of that stuff uh for for theater uh, i don't have uh the horse in the race uh that some other folks would have with regards to you know taking a movie role away from somebody but i am largely against this for a number of reasons uh and uh the the the, the boilerplate version of it is um, you don't get well in the, in this, in the same way that you, that, that the transition from film, which is a mechanical process by which you show, you shove light through celluloid and project it on a screen to digital, which is shoving light through pixels to appear on a screen. You lose something. We, we lost a step when we went all digital. Even, even when they make it look like film, we, we lost a step. I think in the same way, when you go to a completely digital, not there in the first place person, you lose a step as well. Um, the computer is never going to be able ever to uh, imitate and, and replicate the complexities of the 
the human experience. And uh, so, you know, that's, that's why as good as Grand Moff Tarkin looks, there was something a little bit off about him because he wasn't rolling his R's the way Peter Cushing did late in his career. There's, you know, Carrie Fisher got one line, hope, and you go, you know what? That's all I needed. I just needed a picture of her looking exactly like that, saying that one word, and we're done. She was around for that, which was nice. But I think as soon as you start cracking open that box with dead celebrities, we're inches away from an Elvis movie starring Elvis Presley, but not really, you know? Um, and, and, and what's, what's the hardest part about this is that we're still getting Elvis movies, right? Edgar Wright's baby driver is an Elvis movie. Uh, you know, it's better in every respect than a, a, even a great Elvis movie. And I say that as a high priest of Elvis, because we know things now that we didn't know whenever Elvis was making Viva Las Vegas or, or Speedway or whatever. All right, so, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on a minute here, Mark. As a high priest of Elvis, can you marry people? Yeah. There wouldn't be any good of being a high priest of Elvis if I couldn't marry somebody. <laughs> Come on, Nathan. But so, you know, Dead celebrities are going to be a problem. You know, there was when when Hank Williams Jr. and Hank Williams the uh, third did a video together back in the late 80s. Uh, it was it, it was on the heels of John Wayne walking into a bar and ordering a silver bullet. Right. Uh, and it was like Rooster Cogburn, John, John Wayne. And they did and they did it. You know, it was all clumsily done, but they were trying as hard as they could to get to the point where they can make Big Jake two still Jaken or, you know, uh, Rooster Cogburn three, you know, still Coggin or whatever, you know, thing they're going to do. So I think that this is a, a real problem. Uh, it's a problem because it's it's going to we'll get to a point where we're just watching video games. Mm-hmm. You know, we're watching people doing imitations of, of John Wayne, uh, you know, putting their voice into basically uh, a digital tulpa, you know, that's more or less kind of close. And, you know, this is the problem with that. As great as video games are, and I love them and play them, uh, it does not compare to an earnest performance in a good movie, you know, that you can watch and, and, and let wash over you and, and get into your brain in, in ways that the digital stuff can't it, it, makeup is one thing. And I, and, and Debbie, I, I consider what they did with, with Mark Hamill, basically digital makeup, kind of like what they did with um, Andy Serkis for the planet of the apes movies and, and Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He is informing that performance with face and, 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 and physicality. So they can actually interact with him in space. James Franco can, can look him in the eyes, you know, on, on set. And, and he, as Caesar can, can look back and then they put basically digital instead of, you know, foam latex over the head. That's, I, I'm 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 okay with that because we're still we still got a human in there, you know, doing the 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 things. Uh, as soon as we're all digital, we're all not necessary. 
I, th- I think I think that's a I think that's a, a bad step forward for us as a people. So, well, here here's the thing, and here's the reason why I chose that Mark Hamill performance specifically, uh, or the lack of Mark Hamill performance specifically as my example, is because in the past, so Tarkin in Rogue One is a great example. Only four, well, five years ago at this point, um, you know, the technology was very different because when he would move. There was something weird and somewhat jerky about it. It wasn't like it wasn't like a person moving. It was there was that uncanny valley thing of it looks like a person but isn't quite a person. And so you like reject it even for all the work that was done to digitally recreate Peter Cushing's face and everything uh, while it was doing that. Yeah, there was like a level of detail on his skin that wasn't present in the Star Wars movies because they were trying to take off the pores and pock marks. Right. Whereas I feel like the Mark Hamill thing, because first of all, they're using the re-speecher, which is the new, which is a new game changer, where you don't even need to have anyone say anything. They'll take all the dialogue that Mark Hamill has ever recorded, throw it into a blender, and they'll type, they'll give it a script. And I'll say, this is the things that we want him to say. And it will say, oh, okay, well, I will find all the sound bites of everything Mark Hamill's ever said, and I will spit out that line. So that's that's a new thing, right? But so people didn't don't even he need also, to... I thought I had, had heard, and this could be wrong, that while he wasn't physical, I heard that he wasn't physical for the performance at all, but he did mm-hmm. record the dialogue to give them reference. But his voice has aged so much. That's why they had to use the re-speecher. That was my understanding of that performance. That was not my understanding based on what I was reading. Now, that might, because everything that I heard was like, they just like took like all, all like the sum total of Mark Hamill voice recordings that they had, you know, in, in the Disney vault, you know, because now they own all the 20th Century Fox. And but that doesn't they, they might have compared what they did to what he did and tweaked it then. A good sound engineer will be able to do that. Sure. I mean, that's possible also. Um, but I, but I to me, the Mark I'm, Hamill I... thing was seamless in a way that that Tarkin was not. Like, I looked at that. I looked at the way he moved. I heard the way that he talked. And I was like, wow, this sounds like Luke Skywalker to me. And so I didn't get the weird Uncanny Valley thing from that. And that was, to me, the thing that was the game changer and why I kind of wanted to do this topic anyway. And it's been kind of in the back of my head. Uh, because I was like, I've never felt this way before when they've presented me with a digital character. But Tarkin had an actor. Right. So, I mean, there was somebody who was underneath getting the movement. Right, what I'm saying is the technology, the the skinning technology that they used back then didn't work in the way that it works now. Like, I feel like the years of improvement have made it so that you don't need Mark Hamill anymore, you know, to do Luke Skywalker. You don't need, you know, these people to do that, you know, their roles anymore. And so, yeah, I mean, to, it's, it's it's a different it's a different ball game because now you don't need you don't need you just need a person to stand in, right? Like you don't need somebody to really take on the role because if you did, you could just recast, right? You know, so you just you're just paying some guy off the street to come in. You stand here. Just do the movements and, and the, the digital will replace yeah. everything with, you know. That's so. and that's the problem I have because like I like I, like I was saying, like for it, it has its place for moments. Mm-hmm. Like there is that when when Luke first came on screen in the in the book of Boba Fett, there is that moment of just like, oh, 
like like look at it, it, it it's it's luke and return of the jedi mode and but but as it goes on and 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 even to that even though that the technology is better you you just said it nathan it's like there is something that that genuine human interaction when he's having the scenes with ahsoka that that is just like a not there that a real actor can give in that moment when they're in that space with that actual actor and you can have those and you can have those moments where there's a true person-to-person connection where i'm reacting off of your reactions and we're we're creating something that is truly a performance between characters yeah and and i think the thing that is that's going to be interesting is going to is going to be how much of the digital age that we live in and, and how much of the fact that our lives are lived through digital sources like are we now okay with with these digital performances because we don't expect that human interaction we don't look for that as much as as we may have once did so it's like if that is not there for some folks that's okay because the digital connection is what i'm used to anyway as opposed to that actual human uh, uh reaction and connection so that's the thing that that bothers me if if because i would have said at one point we can never get to a fully digital place because at some point people will crave that human interaction between two people on screen i don't uh, know if but I people think have is. been raised by playstation and xbox exactly. now Davier, so i'm not sure that's... that the expectation is there anymore but hold on hold on mark hold on we're all very aggressive people here and i want to give miranda <laughs> a chance to say something if she has something to say first uh well i mean i i haven't actually seen the book of both that so I, i'm not aware of the luke skywalker thing at all but i i know for me personally like anytime that there are digital characters on screen just i personally like there's always something a little uncanny valley about it that mm-hmm. i just i just don't like i mean and i you know as has been touched on for small moments for small scenes it's like okay we've seen their face it made the impact it's fine but when you need to get like a performance out of it that really really it it's distracting i find and especially if we're talking if it really is a case where they're just taking like bits of dialogue to create the the dialogue and not even using voices like i find that concerning because like the the actor's voice is what you know get your where you get the the emotion like from you know i mean it, i just that that just that concerns me i mean honestly even because honestly i'm I don't know. I, I, I even in the realm of like animation where they are using an actor's real voice, I still find a bit of uncanny valley even in digital animation where it's like it it's not recreating a person, but it just I don't from what I have seen, even if if even if it looks great, like it looks like a it it just still looks like a, a video game. You know, no matter how like realistic it is, you could there's always a little something off that you can always kind of tell. And I feel like the more the further removed we are from like humans just the harder it is to get the genuine heart you know across in a story because you know i mean it like storytelling at, at heart is is a human uh you know it's it's about human emotions about human connections and the, and the, the more pieces of technology and things we have to filter it through it just it just makes it harder to get that to get that you know and i and you know and maybe it's it's being old <laughs> you know i you know i remember when animation was hand drawn you kids um you know oh god i'm gonna grab my cane for you saying that you're old. <laughs> you know but i mean i do i mean like you know i you know i like i'm not saying that you know computer you know generated imagery is, is entirely bad i'm just saying like 
I think personally, you know, when I, when even just like, you know, comparing like hand-drawn animation and digital animation, mm -hmm. like, I'm not saying that like, you know, the technology inherently is bad. I'm just saying like, there's like, you know, we have a long way to go before we advance to the point where like people know how to use it so that it's not just imitating, trying to imitate hand-drawn animation or trying to imitate, you know, like this actor. So it looks like, you know, my new, you can see all the freckles on their face, but like give it to give it some kind of life because when, when we're doing like these, you know, these, unless you're, I mean, motion capture is, is not, is a little different from animation, but in, so you can get a little more of actor's performance, which is nice. But I think, I just think like, I think, you know, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not questioning that undoubtedly the animators who do these digital characters are very talented and do give nice performances, but it's just like, there's just something about, about the uncanniness of it, that it's just like, it, you know, we're not, we're not quite there yet. And I don't know that we should ever get there. It's, you know, it's like, you know, just because we can, doesn't mean we should, you know, I mean, you know, there are so many, there are so many good actors out there and I don't think there's anything wrong with, with recasting a role. You know, I mean, there's plenty of movies out there where we have, you know, a young version, an old version of the same character played by two different characters and it, and it works just fine. Like we accept it. We, we, you know, you cast someone who looks or sounds similar. And even sometimes when they don't, we still, we still go with it. You can suspend disbelief. It's, it's fiction. It's a movie. You know, I, I just, I don't feel like like the lengths that people are going to to recreate actors who have aged or who have died are are necessary. I mean, they're spending a lot of time and a lot of money. Just just hire an actor. There there's so many out there, you know. And I, you know, and then I don't get the weird sort of like creepy, like uncanny valley thing that distracts me from the actual story that's being told. You yeah. know, because like that should be the first thing. Not don't dazzle me with your technology. Tell me a story that makes me feel something. Like that, mm -hmm. that's what I go to movies for. So, you know, that's that's kind of my feeling on that. Yeah, I, I've long said that Lord of the Rings was a movie series that got the CG right, because the things that they did for with CG were either distorting perceptions by making things that were of varying size, you know, like look like they were of varying sizes where they weren't. And a lot of that was just enhancement of them using like cinema, you know, like film techniques to do that. But also when they did use CG, it was to do things to create an otherworldly creature that you couldn't really create. You could try using makeup and things like that, but the CG really helped for them to like create something that that, that is not human. So when it's not exactly. supposed to be human, exactly. you know, the fact that it doesn't yeah. move like a human or doesn't seem quite human works yeah, in its exactly. favor, right? So yeah, yeah like like I, I I agree with you on on that uh, quite a bit. But Mark, you've been trying to, to speak for a while here. So <laughs> I just want to chime in with my heartfelt agree uh, agreement of of both previous uh, statements. You know, we've already got fans mm. who can't see a movie without complaining about the CGI. You know, as as good as we all know the CGI in in Lord of the Rings trilogy was, there's somebody out there right now probably listening to this podcast going, oh, they're talking about it. It was stupid. I could tell right away that Gollum wasn't real. Gah. You know, there's always that guy. You know, and, yeah. and and unfortunately, there's more of them now than there ever were these armchair uh, graphic designers and digital artists who, you know, who loved a Monday morning quarterback every instance of I wouldn't have moved his hand at that part. That's what that's what totally threw me out of the movie. Well, I'm sorry that that happened to you. You know, maybe you should take up golf. But about about this uh, hiring an actor thing, let, let me just say this. 
and and Devier may not agree with me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little woo here for a minute. Acting is alchemy. When you act with somebody else, whether it's on stage or you know in front of a camera, uh, whenever you're giving a performance, that is you're creating something that is unique and cannot be duplicated again. You can try to get as close as you can do it, but little things are going to be different every time. And what you hope for when you're giving a performance is that you hit that liminal space where you're both uh, seeing each other, not as, as performers, but as characters and, and these very genuine movements and feelings and thoughts come out of you at that moment. And uh, that is such, uh, that is so lightning in a bottle, you know, uh, no matter who you're acting with, you know, it's, it's always, it doesn't always happen every show, you know, you, you try, you do your best, but you know, when it happens and when you feel it, it creates a crackle and you know, you're in it. They know they're in it and the audience knows they're in it if it's live. And if it's on film, it comes through too, usually, you know, unless somebody shot it stupidly or, you know, got an angle that didn't work. You can tell when people are popping and reacting and, 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 and synced into each other on screen. Now, even if you put digital, a digital suit over that person, you're going to, you're still going to get an inkling of that. The problem is, is that, that suit is only as good as the person who's animating it right now. So even if I walk up to Governor Tarkin and I absolutely connect with the body double and I feel all of the power of the of the governor of the outer rims and I am quaking in my boots at having to give him the news, when you put this, when you put the, the suit on him, it's it's only going to be as effective as the guy that's programming it and you and even if he gets all the nuances of the guy's face he's not going to get he's not going to get what i'm feeling when i'm looking at this guy that's performing um it is exponentially easier to act with a person and just put a person in the suit and and you're right we we have i mean we got rid of Dumbledore. We got rid of one of the most important characters. Well, we didn't get rid of him. He died. He died of, you know, being Richard Harris. But, you know, he bailed at the end of the second movie with, you know, ostensibly five. We now know six more movies to go. What do you do? Well, there was no, there was never a thought that they were going to replace it with somebody digitally or wear the makeup. They just got a different guy. And now... It gets it's weird when I watch the first two Harry Potters because I've seen Michael Gambon in do Dumbledore for most of them. And and yeah, he brought something different to the Amazing. thing. He was a much more active Dumbledore than Richard Harris was. Richard Harris kind of played him sort of doddering, you know, and I think that's probably a little bit in the books, but not really. But, you know, we would it, it would have been a, an abject failure to try and keep a Richard Harris like thing happening in in that role best to give it to somebody else and move on i i'm i I've, i i was really like against this from the get-go but the more we talk about it the more against it i get <laughs> frankly all right so i want to i want to kind of move on to something because we're kind of circling in this area 
uh, quite a bit. And that's the sort of idea of, so if we had this technology uh, four to 500 years ago, Mm. you know, and fans of Hamlet had insisted that it always looked like the same people who originally performed Hamlet, you would never have Laurence Olivier you know, uh, playing Hamlet, right? Because you know, we would we would just be recreating like the same like people that had already done it, you know. Um, and and so there's always been this sort of idea that you know roles are ephemeral, right? Like roles are something that it's like if if something's popular enough to continue, someone new embodies oh. that character, right? Like oh. you know, that's just I mean, it's just obvious. You you couldn't. There, there was no way of doing it. So if you wanted the role to continue, you eventually had to do it. I've lived at a point in time where these big franchises were sprouting up in movies that I've seen all my heroes replaced. I've seen Kirk, Spock, McCoy replaced. I've seen Han Solo. I mean, I mean, Harrison Ford's still with us, but I've seen her, you know, Han Solo recast. You know, I've seen... Uh, several of the incarnations of the doctor being recast as the incarnation rather than as a, as a new regeneration, which is a different thing. And, you know, I've seen all these things happen. I I've, I've, I've already had to, you know, adjust my mind to the fact that you can play a role, even a beloved role, a role of something that I was super into and another person can take that role on. And now we're trying to get to this, this, um, sort of society where we can just freeze things in time, you know, that we can just say like forevermore Luke Skywalker will look and sound like Mark Hamill, mm. you know, whereas before you had to make a choice either when an actor died and you want to continue a franchise, you either had to get rid of that character and just say, okay, either that character died or that character is just not, we're telling stories where that character is not involved or you had to recast. And I feel like we're doing a disservice, um, you know, not only to actors, because that's obvious, right? Uh, obviously, it's a disservice to actors that their face won't be seen. You know, for people who are doing stand-ins, even though, yeah, we're casting an actor, I don't think they're casting them as rigorously as they would if the person was on screen, first of all. But second of all, that person, like Andy Serkis has talked about this, and and, and let's be fair, just because you're you're somebody who has a digital like skin put on you doesn't mean you're a bad actor. And Andy Serkis is a great example of that. And he's talked about how he's kind of felt like he's you know looked down on, he hasn't gotten the credit he deserves for doing these really great performances. But his face has been hidden because he's been skinned, you know, to look like these bizarre creatures. But but it's a disservice, you know, not only to actors then who can't get these roles because they're looking for just somebody that they can get that, you know, maybe, you know, isn't necessarily the greatest actor because they can just pull somebody. But it's also, I think, a disservice to audiences because you're basically saying nobody's going to be a better Luke Skywalker than Mark Hamill. Nobody's going to be a better... If they did this for, say, say for instance, if they recreated William Shatner's Kirk, that no one will ever be, you know, a better, you know, Kirk than William Shatner. You know, like they, if they turn back the clock and decide to just go with prime versions of all these people, hmm. you know. And so that's the thing. It's like I feel like this sort of freezing in time, this freezing in a moment in time creates this problem where we can't move on. Right. Like, and I'm just going to say. I'm even one of those crazy people that thinks they should have recast uh, T'Challa and Black Panther. Oh, I yeah. know everybody's going to hate me for that, but you know, I uh, support that. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, he, 
even his brother said that Chadwick himself wanted them to recast. So to me, it's just like, why wouldn't you recast? But anyway. Yeah, and that gets to another thing. I think it's doing a disservice to the characters to say that these characters can't stand up to another interpretation, that they don't still Mm. have, like, the inherent power and importance or nuance to support, like, different interpretations, which, you know, when we're talking about iconic characters like T'Challa or Kirk or whatever, of course they can. Of course they can. It doesn't doesn't take away anything from the original actors that created that role to have it, you know, be expanded upon and someone else taking on it. Like, we don't lose the original. We're just, we're getting more like that, you know, and, and if you don't like it, you can still go back to the original and watch that. But now you're bringing in maybe more people who are you know, didn't see the original when it first came out or something and 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 bring it in. I mean, I, I don't think recasting roles is in any way, you know, a, a disservice to the to the to the mm-hmm. original. I mean, it, you know, I I, I think that, you know, that that's like that's yeah, it's an it's an honor that like this is that this role is so this character is so beloved that we want to keep continuing it on, you know. I mean, I think that that can only, you know, bring in more people and have it be more appreciated, you know. I have two stories I want to tell real quick, and then I'm going to throw it open to everybody. First one, I've lived to you know long enough to have the point of hearing everyone say nobody can do the Joker better than Jack Nicholson. Jack O. Nicholson was the was the epitome of the Joker, perfect Joker performance, and then watch them watch The Dark Knight and have them go, oh. Very different. I mean, what Heath Ledger did with the Joker character is so different. Like, it's night and day from Jack Nicholson's performance, both taking the idea of the Joker character, but putting wildly different spins on them. I'm not going to say I like one better than the other just because they're so different. But to Miranda's point about different interpretations, if you had just said, no, we're going to, like, use old footage of Jack Nicholson or whatever, or try to recreate that joker rather than trying a different you know a different route you would never have gotten the heath ledger joker uh the other thing though uh that i want to bring up because because i mean i'm uh i'm very steeped in 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 classic doctor who and in the fandom around that and there has been a lot of upsetness by people because they do the the original actors do audio dramas and things where they you know recreate their roles and everything and but sometimes when when someone has passed they bring in a new actor to play that role and so many of the fans are like oh no like no that's just wrong that's just you can't do that i only want to watch the ones that have the original act like or listen to the ones that have the original actors if it's if it's these recasts i don't want to hear that or some people say like as long as it's 50 percent more like original like i'll i'll listen to it but if it's less than 50 percent i want like people have like these weird rules so i asked i was able to interview uh some of the so the actors and i said is there any role that's uh so so big that it can't be recast and they were all like no you know like when we die we want these characters to live on you know like we want them to keep going you know and and like as actors we understand this like you know different you know new people step into these roles and that's fine and so, yeah, I think that people are, are are treating these as too as so precious when even the actors who play the roles themselves, and I can't speak for all of them because there might be some actors out there with an ego big enough that they're like, no, like if I'm gone, like you just can't touch this. But, you know, in general, I think a lot of actors like understand that, yeah, this is just a thing, you know, that will happen. One day I'll be gone. And if you want to do more stories with this character, somebody else will play it. Um so, yeah. I mean, as as a classic Doctor Who fan, I ha- I have a little bit of an opinion on this particular subject. Like, I, I, I like I think it's fine when they recast actors who are like 
recreating sort of, I actually like in the Doctor Who case when they're imitating the original actors, especially when there's like still some of the original cast left because you get yeah. the original dynamic. But yeah. like in cases where they've recast the entire cast of, of a certain era, you know, and they're doing stories that are not in the same vein as that era, then there's I, really I, I nothing exactly of the original left. So why not just do something new? You know what I mean? There's right, that right. like that's kind of the flip side of that coin. It's like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not like if they want to keep doing stories about, you know, the first TARDIS team with entirely different actors and entirely different stories, like, okay, but like personally, it lost all the things that held my interest for me. Mm -hmm. So it's like about that about that so why not just do something new because right. i don't but, think but here's here's, here's, here's sort of my point miranda i agree with you that their first doctor adventures from big finish are not great you know and i don't think it worked but i don't think the idea of it is the problem i think the no, execution was the yeah. problem um, yeah. yeah i mean like you know i mean yeah i mean like obviously patrick trotton passed away and they and and fraser hines has been recreating the second doctor's voice and he does it marvelously because you know he worked with him he knows what his voice sounds and you know he knows what the rhythm that they they the two of them had when they were originally doing it sounded like and he he captures it perfectly i mean you know and so when we have those stories a recasting works because you're still getting the original dynamic that you loved in the first place mm -hmm. so in in this particular case i think it's just a question of you know, I mean, how how much the people who loved it are still getting what they got from it in the first place in this particular way. Because, you know, especially with Doctor Who, it's such a different ballgame because there's so many different doctors, there's so many different yeah. companions, there's so many different TARDIS teams. You know, there's always something for someone in, in there somewhere, you know? It's like, so I think that's that's a slightly different kind of ball game from some of these other things. I think it should be the standard. I'm kind of surprised that Doctor Who fans are getting persnickety about it. That whole idea was was created so that actors could get the hell out of the Doctor Who role and they could get somebody right. else in. They're fine I mean, with a regeneration, but they're saying if you're yeah. playing the first Doctor, it needs to be the first doctor and not like another like like they get like really like like picky about this like 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 you know like it has to be him and if it's not him it's not william hartnell playing the first doctor they don't want it because each incarnation has their own personality this is not the first time i've said this doctor who fans there's something wrong with you <laughs> i'm just gonna say i'm just I'll, I'll i'll die on that hill at the risk of getting myself up on the cross here i, uh -oh. I do agree with men, much of what you're all saying but to me, I'm hearing two different things. One is just the technology isn't there yet. That's a lot of what I'm hearing. It's like, oh, it's not quite right. Well, you know, give it another 10, 15 years. Maybe it will be. Right, because I, I will say that I am somebody who would have said that five years ago, but now I'm like, when I saw Mark, like, or I saw Luke Skywalker, I was like, wow, like the technology arrived at the place where they can just recreate him. So, yeah. Actually, there was a YouTube deep fake did it better than, than Book of Boba Fett. But, so that's one of the things, but, and I know Mark will probably be not happy with this, but uh, when I was going through film school, I can remember that was the time frame when they were colorizing everything <laughs> and yep. i know that was a huge thing and i understood the logic of it but i also understood that there were many people out there that would not watch a movie in black and white simply because it was black and white so, still are yeah my wife right so my my mentality is i would rather there be accessible 
than them never to see it. I'm kind of going a little bit in your direction is, look, I think this is a conversation that's that has another side to it. And that is from the audience. I mean, mm-hmm. us as artists are going to have one perspective on it. And, you know, I mean, I come from the world of theater. I mean, in the world of theater, there is the example of, of the revival where a show is brought back and the whole thing is recast. And the whole purpose of that is you get to see the show with this new interpretation and these new actors and these roles. Uh, but there, but even within that, there is still such an honoring and, 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 and such, uh, as, and, and such, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know, such worship of the original people in those roles. And I think that's even more true in cinema because celluloid is just forever and it's something you can mm. always go back to. And I think from an audience standpoint, I really have to question if the, if I think that a lot of the audiences would prefer if I have to assume to be able to see original artists in these roles rather than them being recast exactly because of what we said earlier, because re- when something is recast, it can always go in so many different directions in regards to what our opinions of it are. But, and the reason I'm, I'm on this tip is because, you know, it was Halloween season as, as I was talking about earlier and I rewatched the crow mm. and just thinking about the crow and the fandom that that movie has mm. And how they've tried to redo The Crow so many times since 1994 and Brandon Lee's death, and it's never worked. If they were able to do a digital recreation of The Crow with with Brandon Lee's perform, you know, with Brandon Lee in a sequel, I can't imagine that the the the, the fan base of The Crow would go. Nah, we'd rather see them try a fifth time to, to, to try to hire a new actor to make that work instead of having this recreation of Brandon Lee. You know, there, I think there are examples where there there is. There is such an there's such a love for the original characters in those roles that that is in some ways the only way the audience will accept those characters moving forward. So I, I do think there is a disconnect between us from the artist standpoint and then what the audience really has the passion to that they want to really see. Well, here's the problem. The audience doesn't know what it wants. It thinks it does. It's very loud, and it and it will tell you what it wants. But I, that's why I go back to the Joker thing of the. Uh, I, so many people said Jack Nicholson. You can't replace Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And then they saw Heath Ledger, and they were singing a different tune. And that's the problem: is they think they know what they want. They're loud about it. But then once they get the other thing, they're like, oh, actually, no, that's actually good. You know. So I don't know. But I, Nathan, I, if I may, if I make you know. To, to counter that, if we had the technology back then to have, you know, or, or when The Dark Knight came out, to have brought Jack Nicholson's Joker back, you know, into that world, I really, because I think a lot of times people accept things because they have no choice. Mm-hmm. You have to accept what Heath Ledger did because you're never going to see Jack Nicholson again. Mm-hmm. But if we have the technology to do that and we bring it back, I, I question if people, what people's reaction to it would be especially if they can do it in Luke Skywalker mode with Jack Nicholson kind of doing the voice or whatever that may be. How would people respond with seeing that in a Christopher Nolan world? I can tell you right now that the first comment on the first trailer that hits YouTube would be somebody going, CGI looks fake. So, you know, I mean, I mean then you have a characters like we just saw with She-Hulk. With that was of course one of the first critiques was the CGA was not great, but right. you, you have an actress who played both, but her digital self was very different, except for some uh, you know her face from her physicality. 
Yeah, that all those people can just can just shut up because Tatiana Maslany is a treasure and should be protected at I, all costs. I love her, but, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but I, I, all right, so I, I'm just gonna say, like, and maybe it's just because I've become used to it. Like, I wasn't bothered by the She Hulk CGI at all. Um, some parts were great, some parts were not. It was a little rough. Yeah, it, it was rough in some parts. <laughs> And there was actually a call, you know, for the actual stunt actor who was in the part, uh, the six foot seven stunt actor they had and when they did the final episode who kind of stood in to like, well, why can't they have just done that the whole time? You know, well, well, okay, all right, but yeah, but here, here's the. I mean, we're veering kind of away from what I wanted to talk about. But here's the thing: back when there was going to be a made-for-TV She-Hulk movie, and they cast some like giant wrestling woman as She-Hulk, it's like this is this is sort of the problem there. This to me, this is where CGI actually does like help, and it's actually a right use of CGI. When they were going to cast people that had the physicality but weren't actors. Just so they could get somebody who's like about the size of, you know, like big over six foot tall woman with muscles to play She-Hulk, but wouldn't would, would have been awful as the actual character. You know, um, that's that that's where I'm like, this is where I like I'm kind or I like CGI because She-Hulk is this big green character, so you're never gonna get that in real life. You created something that doesn't actually exist. And you can cast an actual actress, like a really great actress in the role. It all comes down to the willing suspension of disbelief. I'm old enough that I grew up watching Ray Harryhausen movies. All right. I, and and I love them to this day, uh, even though now we've gra- greatly surpassed what he was capable of doing. Part of what I love about them is that it is art rather than artifice. You can tell there's an intelligence behind every single one of those skeletons in the seven in, in uh, Jason and the Argonauts. You can see there's a performance being crafted in the Cyclops of the, of the seventh voyage of Sinbad. So, I as a kid, I didn't have any other point of reference. If I wanted to see the Cyclops pick up Sinbad and put him over on a spit and roast him, I'd watch that movie and I had to decide even though we never really do it consciously, I had to decide, am I going to accept this as part of the story and enjoy it for what it is? Or am I going to go stop motions lame? God, why can't they get somebody else to do it? You know? So that's what this is right here. You've got a, you've got a group of people that have, have never, I don't know, have never surrendered themselves. Maybe they, I, I don't know. I don't know who hurt them as, as you know, when they were, I don't know if their dad used to like wake them up by throwing VHS cassettes at them going, get up stupid. I don't know what the, what, what, what damage was done to them that they can't watch a movie or a TV show like She-Hulk. And, and even when the CGI doesn't hit it every time go that She-Hulk, I don't know why we can't have nice things. I don't think it is just digital though, because like Davier brought up with theater, you, you've gotten a very visceral experience with that with Funny Girl this past year. Yeah, where people, oh, it can't be redone. It can't be redone. And it took hot, decades for them to try to do it again. Yeah. So it's not just digital. It, it is just human beings. Somebody, fans are idiots. Well, not just fans. You know, actors, you know, oh, that performance wasn't as good as the original, like you brought up before, Nathan. You know, a lot of that is just 
you know, familiarity. We're comfortable with that. Yeah. We know that. I've listened to, so, you know, the original version of Sweeney Todd so many times that now when I hear like Patti LaPone instead of Angela Lansbury, it just doesn't feel quite right. Even though she did amazing at it, but it's just different. Yeah. Just want to do devil's advocate right now because because I really want to get to the heart of this because so Mark, we need to yeah. you you were saying we should have this this willing suspension of disbelief to accept a character like She Hulk. Yes. Why is that not the same for a willing suspension of disbelief that it is Mark Hamill at age thirty playing Luke Skywalker? Oh, I've well, I've said that you know initially having him involved, I'm, I'm okay with. Because he had to sign off on it, uh, he he was there to make a choice in person. Okay, but and if he passes away, then I would. It? Well, let's. I would presume that in twenty twenty two to twenty twenty five, every actor in in Hollywood is scrambling to to make sure that their likeness rights are in order for you know anything going forward in perpetuity but to to take your example um i think when he dies luke performances die there's a couple of reasons for this that are that are specific one i don't need to see any more luke skywalker story than i've gotten right now there's no way that I could that I would be interested in another Luke Skywalker story ever. Unless somebody says, I've got a great idea for a Luke Skywalker story where he's building the Jedi Academy from scratch and he needs all the help of his his plucky Jedi uh Padawans to to make it happen. And we're gonna call it Space Jedi Academy uh parts one through nine it'll be awesome great time. and they go who do you want to do it and and i go and then hopefully they would say we're gonna we're just gonna cast somebody in the luke skywalker role and they're gonna bring as much mark hamiliness to it as they can but it's gonna be their role and when they go but the fans then they go dumbledore and you go okay shut up all right is Michael Gambon available to play Luke Skywalker? That's not what we meant. Because it's clear, especially with what they've had James Earl Jones do, that the intention is when these actors pass away that they want to continue using their likeness and voice. I mean, not likeness in the case of Darth Vader, but the voice of James Earl Jones in perpetuity. Like no other right. actor will ever be Darth Vader. They'll just except that, the except that there have been other Darth Vaders. So, uh, but they they they'll just use the re-speecher with James Earl Jones's voice and right. just have that come out of the Darth Vader you know costume with whoever's you know standing in that costume. Uh, and so that's the thing. So I, I expect that it's going to be the same with Luke Skywalker and everybody else, um, as long as they can secure. I mean, I don't know how it works legally, but obviously Mark Hamill also signed away whatever rights and you know whatever. So whatever actors they can get to sign away their rights and get that you know set in place. That's the intention is to just keep using their performance, their voice forever. And so then it becomes do we just give that willing suspension of disbelief or do we have a problem with that? And do we say either it's not right because I, I don't buy it because of how it looks or sounds, or is it a problem just because of the fact of you ought to give other actors a chance? We have a problem with that ethically, morally, scrupulously, uh, any, any, any philosophy, any, any philosophy class rhetoric uh, discussion you want to throw at this. We, 
my royal we has a problem with it. Yeah. So, it, 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 but then again, I'm not in control and haven't been for many years. So, right. and, you know. and I think Disney is leading this charge and is also leading the technology. Yeah. But just like how we saw that Disney developed the vault as that sort of holodeck that they act in now, where it creates like the whole like panoramic like scenario the around them, that other studios are now building their own vaults. Oh, I think other studios there are, are gonna... there are many of those. My school has one of those. So digital uh, backdrops, essentially. Right, right, but this is like a 360 one. Like this, this wraps right, it's around. A like, yeah. Um, but but there, I, I assume this also this technology will proliferate to the, all the other studios now too, and they'll all start using it. So we're looking at where all the mega franchises soon. We're not going to see different performances anymore. That's just going to be the same thing. That's what bothers me because, like, going back to like the Dumbledore example that was mentioned, like. I, I read all the books as a kid and I loved Richard Harris's performance. To me, he was book Dumbledore par excellence. Obviously, he passed away. They cast another actor. I hated Michael Gambon's performance. He didn't Whoa. feel like book Dumbledore to me. Just personally, that's how I felt. But by the same token, I would far rather, I'm much more grateful that they recast a different actor, even if the performance is different, to get an authentic performance from a human actor than if they had have just tried to, you know, motion capture, re-speecher Richard Harris and try to do this zombie version of Richard Harris because at the end of the day, it wouldn't have been him. We wouldn't have got who he was in the truth of his performance. And that would have just, like, I would rather have a different interpretation that isn't exactly what I want than, like, a, a kind of, like, zombie monster of, like, someone who used to be there. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. that's... That's my stance on that. Rather than, I, so it's like it's better to move forward into something new and have something authentic than to try to keep, like breathing life into something into someone that's that's gone who can't who can't give us that anymore. Just just personally, I'm I'm with. I hear that. I hear that so much. And again, I'm speaking as an actor, but I'm also you know as an actor, I have such a connection. My whole thing about being coming from the theater is the connection to the audience. Yes, and and I do have a respect for the audience's love of certain interpretations of characters by actors. I mean, that is the dream to have, I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, to have Tim Curry's Frankenfurter live on forever. It is, it is, that is to have an iconic performance is the dream of every actor that lives on for decades. And I can't be honestly, if I ask myself just as, as an, as an artist, I, I have a level of respect and I can't truly be mad at people who says, I want that performance to live on forever, however it can. If that is a digital performance with the re-speecher creating Tim Curry's voice so we can have a Rocky Horror sequel, then, then I can't begrudge an audience for wanting something that is connected with them so much. Because what I'm telling them is, it, you know, to be angry with them is, how dare you love that performance that much? That that is a performance you want to see, Devier. Can I ask you something about this? Yeah. So I th I think where where I will hop off of the boat with you on this is in the ephemeral nature of film for the last hundred years. We get the performance that we get because they they did it, and um, I think part of what makes something so treasured is that we only got a little bit of it we only got the the charlie chaplin things that we got some of the film doesn't even survive anymore 
there's a there's something special about rocky horror you've got to go into a theater to watch it to get the full oh okay now i understand it where film got cheapened is when it became so accessible that there was never a waiting period there was never uh you, you didn't have there was we killed anticipation we killed expectation by by making it available to everyone all the time um i can tell you about a movie that you've never seen before and you can tell by the look on my face that i am i'm god you gotta get it. it's so good and, and then there's this thing and this stuff and i'm not gonna tell what happens but when you see what happens at the end you're gonna lose your head and you're like Dude, that's awesome. And if it was 1978, you'd go, when is it coming? And, and they go, well, I saw it last year, but hopefully it'll come back sometime in a repertory setting. And you have to put that in your head and hold on to it and pray to God you go to a convention where they're showing it, right, for you to see it. If I tell that to you right now, you go, what's the name of it? And I go, it's called Snoopy Does Something Cool. And you go, tickety, tickety, tack, boom, I've ordered it. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I think that's where we have a problem. That's why, you know, Elvis movies, even even Elvis movies are great because you get to see Elvis being Elvis and you don't get to see him being Elvis in everything. And he's not around anymore. Thank God. And he and so those things, I think you have to respect the fact that we got what we got. I think I think emotionally it's healthier to. To 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 accept, we got what we got. We got the we got all the Harrison Ford Indiana Jones performances we're gonna get. <laughs> Disney has other words on that matter. Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> but but so I but so that's why and so that's why I think if we start bringing John Wayne back and if we if we if we extend Luke Skywalker into perpetuity, I think I think we lose something about. Um, I, 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 I think it, I think it could be, I think it could be more damaging to us than, than to give in to that. My two cents. Honestly. Yeah. And I would echo some of that as somebody who is big into musical theater. I, I know very much what it's like to fall in love with a version of a character that you're never going to see again. I mean, one of my favorite musicals is from 1963 musicals were not recorded in those days. All I have is a cast recording of these actors singing. And to me, those actors from 1963 will always be the versions of those characters. I will always love them the most of all. But, you know, they've obviously made many different revivals of that show since then. And like, am I ever going to love any of those versions of those characters as much as those those voices from 1960? No. But do I begrudge the fact that they're remaking them? Absolutely not. Do I think that it's great that it's getting it out there to a new generation who is going to now see it and experience it and maybe come back to the version I like? Maybe not. But just that it's still living? Like, yes, I am. And on the flip side, there have been musicals that I hated the original cast of. I'm like, why do people like this musical? And then they recast it with different actors. And then suddenly I'm like, actually, I love this now. So I think there's value in having different versions of, of the same stories and the same characters so that people can find different things in it. I mean, I, you know, I, we all, we can all be attached to our versions of our characters that whatever recording of movie or cast album is still going to be there. You know, there's just more now for people to, to explore. And I think, you know, just trying to statically freeze something 
you know, forever is, is, is kind of a back, yeah, is a backward way to, way to go. I mean, you know, it's just, they're, I just, yeah, I would, I would, you know, feel kind of sad if anybody tried to like digitally recreate the performances of these characters from my, you know, 1963 recording. Cause it's like, well, even if you could digitally recreate their faces, you still wouldn't be giving me the actual performance they gave me on that Broadway stage in 1963. So it, it would just feel weird and hollow and empty. It's just like, let it, let it live on through a new production with new actors giving their own life to it rather than just trying to, you know, keep something artificially alive that, you know, it, at, th at this point, Miranda, you have to tell us what the musical is because <laughs> I'm dying to know. <laughs> It is called She Loves Me. It was written by Jerry Bach and Sheldon Harnick, who wrote Fiddler on the Roof. Um, it's it's a beautiful, sweet, romantic uh, story. It's the same story as Shop Around the Corner and You've Got Mail. It's 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 beautiful and adorable. Miranda, <laughs> I've been in the show. So, yes, I, I share your love. Oh, yay! Oh, yay! <laughs> it, it comes down to the bottom line of money. Um, you know... One of the things that strikes me when we think about some of these things, and I think of a, a, a recent situation where they didn't reach, uh, did did not digitally recreate someone, partially because the person was still alive, but partially because there was also a big fan response to that. And that was in the Kenobi series with bringing back Hayden Christensen. They could have said, yeah, whatever, you know, but they chose to bring the actor back partially because the public response to that was huge because uh, you know there was such a you know angry reaction to the the prequels by bringing him back there were so many comments about his redemption and all this stuff getting to see him again so it came down to the bottom line on something like that you know uh, promotion i get this if i don't digitally recreate somebody right so daviar to your point you know i I'm a fan of, you know, many properties and I am a fan of the original Star Trek, which I grew up with because I remember a time before Star Trek, the next generation, when that's all there was, I was very young, but I remember it. I watched it every weekday afternoon, you know, syndicated. Um, and so if it was possible to give me new episodes of the original Star Trek, where they've somehow created flawless characters again, and they're using the same sets and the same effects and the same everything, that would just make my heart sing, right? Like I would, I would be so into that. But the thing is, I know that they can't, they 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 can't do that perfectly, right? But even beyond that that's a separate thing from them trying to tell a new kind of story with sort of an idea of the characters with the star trek movies that they're that they've done with chris pine and everything so it's like i will always prefer the william shatner leonard nimoy deforest kelly version of those characters but i don't begrudge or even have uh you know an issue with you know, them trying to take the idea of some of those characters and put them in a different spin and everything else. And I think they did at least do one really fantastic movie uh, with that cast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but it's, but it's very different than if it had been the William, like even if it, William Shatner and everybody was young and alive and everything and they had done that same movie, it would have been a very different movie. Um, and so... You know, I mean, that's the thing. I think that, yeah, like we can have these versions that we hold on to that we love and everything. And it would be great if we could get more content with either a character or with a series that we really love. But I think that it's still sort of the thing is we need to be able to get beyond that 
and to allow for storytelling and for things to evolve and change and everything. So I, I totally I, hear that, you know, but Kelly, Kelly said a phrase she said is all about the money. And I think yeah. in a world where you know that that fans like us for our particular properties will be there to support those things if, if they were to come out, I think this this will always be the potential and the possibility for it to keep going in this direction rather than it to stop. So no. regardless of what our respective opinions of the, the positives or negative negatives of it are. Yeah. No yeah. Way. It's yeah. The, yeah. Money talks always. And I just want to say something about colorizing real quick. Mm. Uh, it's funny because I didn't realize until I'd loaded it last night, but the version of plan nine that I watched was the colorized version. And there are scenes where they've done a really good job of it and it, and it looks very natural. And then there were scenes, uh, especially some of the like uh, scenes that are, that are sort of like half in shadow where it looks like they've basically overlaid um, uh, a screen on, on, on Color the various elements. And when they did that in the movie, it, oh, it looked like how they used to recolor lobby cards to to be more eye-catching and i thought well that's at least sort of like i, I can see that but there's there's a scene where the the lead alien gets hit and i don't know what possessed them to do this but when the when the the lead hits him his face turns green temporarily like alien scroll green <laughs> And then as he calms down from the hit, you see the green sort of fade off of his, his face again. And I was like, wow, that's that's actually a more uh, compelling special effect than anything Ed Wood put on screen. <laughs> uh, so, you know, th there was a part of me that was like, wow, I don't know how I feel about this. But, you know, obviously, you know, you're, you can't hurt plan nine. Um, and so I think as long as the black and white and the color versions are are still out there and you give people a preference i don't think you ruin king kong by colorizing it yeah it's the same way i feel about them putting new effects on the original star trek i'm not gonna watch it after the first time but the thing about that is is they're doing they're doing the uh interstitials and the wipes they're not doing they're not changing the performances of any of the actors mm -hmm. They're just they're just literally updating what the planet looks like and the angle at which the starship revolves around it. And I feel like a hypocrite saying it, but I watch those things with the color corrections and everything, and I love them. I love them. I love the way the new planets look. I love the way this the the Enterprise moves in an interesting way. It's just enough razzle dazzle. And then you come in and the, and the color's been color corrected so that Kirk's shirt looks like that mustard yellow instead of that puke green that sometimes happened on your old TV sets. And uh, and I'm in it, you know? They didn't change what the horror looks like or how it sounds. They just they just tweaked the color. So, yeah, I'm getting I, you know, back to what Miranda was saying about Doctor Who before, the, because the, the thing is the people who were making those effects were fans who had a love for the original material. So even when they created the CGI versions, they tried to match it to what the intention was with the original, you know, with the original effects and knowing that they just couldn't pull it off, but this is what they really wanted. So it wasn't the same as sometimes when you see things with new effects and they just go for, let's just throw like the latest modern technology on this and it looks garish or 
it looks like it doesn't match with the original material it matches pretty well now i still prefer watching it the way i watched it originally but i i understand why why you know you would feel like that's like you know different for the case of star trek specifically because of the people that were actually doing the work and how they did it i you know the the problem is 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 we also have unfortunately a precedent that was set by a filmmaker george lucas has not stopped fiddling with star uh star wars uh ever since 95 it's a sore tooth he cannot stop touching with his tongue uh there have been so many different attempts to get uh greedo to shoot first there have been so many different tweaks and 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 little fidgets and everything and and at the time my thought was well i don't like it but it's his movie i hate that he doesn't respect the fact that it it's it should exist as a cultural artifact it should exist as a signpost for 1977 part of what makes it so important is that in 77 it didn't look like anything else that we had that's part of the reason why it's is it's it's Star Wars, right? It changed everything. When you start screwing with it, and you bring it into '95, and then '96, and then 2001, and, and and the DVD version, and the new DVD version, well, every time you keep messing with it, you keep sliding it around. It's like it's you know it's like you're shaking your etch a sketch, man. It's right, like you, Mark. I wish that he left the version. Like you, you could choose your version, and and they didn't like take away the old version. But let me tell you about something you might not have heard of. There are the Star Wars despecialized version uh, editions where people have taken the laser discs, so a digital copy that was still the original version, and they've and, upscaled it to four K. Upscaled yeah. it, right? Exactly. Those are fantastic. I have I have uh, acquired them recently myself and... i watched them on my big screen in the theater <laughs> yes uh they were awesome yes so good i never i felt i i, I was seven years old again it was that cool <laughs> okay. all right but yeah we are getting far afield again from just the, the you know talking about the, the 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 thought of of recreating like actors and performances and specifically and and you know how we feel about that but i think i think we don't have a lot more to say about this i think we are kind of you know at a at a sort of resolution here of you know it's a very gray topic (laughs) (laughs) i agree charcoal gray yes (laughs) well yeah i think we're all kind of against it but realize it's probably still gonna happen because of the money (laughs) and i see arguments for it and and i think there's a fan component that i respect yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, like you, like you, one of the first ones you mentioned, Daviar, and when I, I brought up Forrest Gump also, but like if you could recreate a historical figure, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, well, there's no way to get a historical figure back. Well, then who's a historical figure, too? You know, you could say Mark Hamill being Luke Skywalker is a historical figure in 20, 30 right, but years that's, from that, now. That's a fictional character. See, to me, that's the difference. Like, if you're just trying to do, like, a brief, like, thing of somebody interacting with JFK, you know, like, that's very different because that's not a character. That's a real historical person, you know. Or when Hitler signs Indiana Jones's Grail Diary in the third movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna get a digital performance where the two of them are nose to nose like that. Yeah. So although although I don't think anyone wants to recreate Hitler digitally, or I hope they don't. Um, well, I mean, 
you know, clearly not for any nefarious purpose, but, yeah. it, you know, there, there are actors who have made a career out of playing questionable, horrible people, you know? And right. so no, but that's, that's different because that's an actor embodying that. That's Hitler's somebody that I don't want to have a true 100%, like as close to possible, like version of him. You're yeah. created. <laughs> But anyway, for for yeah. bad guys, I think it's okay to play Attila the Hun. You know, I don't think we yeah. need a digital, you know, uh, digital buffer between us and you know Rasputin the Mad Monk. You know. So, in other words, Ronald Reagan doesn't fit. <laughs> well, um, just saying, anybody uh, can be a historical figure. Depending on the context. And anybody can be a villain, I guess, depending on the context <laughs> as well. Yeah. Good point. So uh, just to sort of wrap things out, does anybody have anything that they wanted to say on this subject that they haven't said yet? Uh, so, Kelly? Nope. I think we've said enough. Okay, Daviar? Uh, nothing else. That was good. Yeah. Miranda? I think we about covered all the bases. Okay, Mark? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I was I was gonna I was gonna bring something up about you know uh, I like the Brandon Lee example because um, because of the tragedy, but again I, I think that's just another slippery slope for me personally, ec ethically and, and morally. Um, I, the only thing I'll say is that uh, if it, Disney, please uh, use your head instead of your wallet when you're making these choices, and don't listen to the fans. They are a superstitious and cowardly lot yeah see i spell disney with a dollar sign so i yeah. know where they're going <laughs> i live in orlando tell me about it <laughs> yep all right well everybody this is a lot of fun i like going into just like kind of like a topic you know and just seeing like where it takes us but yeah. um a little more serious than the usual uh, series breakdown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah, uh, now it's time to say goodbye and let people know where they can find us. So uh, let's start with Miranda. Uh, say goodbye and let people know if they can find you. Um. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. This is super fun. Um. Yeah. I'm not really online, but um. Check out my friends Game Studio, Thorny Wunch Game Studios on Facebook. They make family friendly tabletop games for all ages. So give them give them a look. <laughs> And what is that uh, that uh, name? Thorny Wench Game Studios. They're oh. on Facebook, so okay. just search for that on Facebook, and you know, look them up. Okay. And uh, Daviar. Yeah, uh, this we know this podcast is international. So if you're in Ontario, Canada, come by the uh, Stratford uh, Festival Theater, and come check out some of the uh, most renowned theater uh, in the country. Actually, uh, the uh, 2022 season just ended. We'll have the uh, new season starting in about uh, two and a half months. Hey, Kelly. Uh, you can find the American Sci-Fi Fantasy Media Group on Facebook, and we'll be back at DragonCon, of course. And Mark. Uh, I can be found at the North Texas Apocalypse Bunker dot com. Uh, I've also got a Substack newsletter that's free. Uh, I send it out every week. Uh, there's usually movie reviews, pictures of my dog, and adventures that I go on. Uh, it's mostly a proof of life uh, sort of thing. If you if you have to follow me, uh, the, uh, the website is the way to do it. Uh, but uh, I'm also available on Facebook if need be. And for now on twitter but i never really use twitter to begin with so i don't think i'm gonna 
miss it or be missed. So. All right, Miranda, Daviar, Kelly, and Mark, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thanks. Always a pleasure. And that's it for our episode this week. We hope that you liked it, and we'd like to know what you think. Do you think that the technology has gotten to the point where we can seamlessly replace actors? Do you think that it's something that should be done under any possible circumstances? Or do you think it's something that we should avoid? You can let us know in a variety of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave us a review on any of the episodes there. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. Or you can also talk to us through Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, the more reviews that we get, the more likely we are to show up on searches. So if you have an Apple account, we would really appreciate it if you would leave a review. You can also help us out by going to the ESO Network Patreon. It's a way of helping all the shows on the ESO Network. You get various perks for various tiers, either early podcast episodes for some shows, exclusive podcast episodes for some shows, and even a whole exclusive ESO Network podcast. You can find that by going to patreon.com slash ESO Network, and if you have the funds and can contribute, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to purchase the episodes to listen with us because we explain everything important that happens in the story that we're reviewing on the show. So if you just want to hear our banter, learn a little about classic Doctor Who, you can do that. But if you do have the episodes and want to follow along with us, you'll definitely get more out of it. So if that's interesting to you, once again, that is Time Streams. The other show is Legendary Forces. That's where Juliet and I again, but joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. We talk about whatever it is that we're reviewing, whether it's a novel, a uh, movie, a TV show, a comic book. We talk about the quality of it, but then we also talk about it in the context of the evolving Star Wars universe. So we talk about the ideas and thoughts of what Star Wars is as those evolve. And so we get into discussions about canon, continuity, the thoughts that inform people as they're creating the new content for Star Wars, and talk about what we like, what we don't like about all those different iterations. So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces. I have finished watching Blockbuster on Netflix. I personally found it funny. If you've been following this show, you probably know that I am someone that looks at Blockbuster with a lot of nostalgia. So for me, it kind of hit in the right place. There are a lot of movie references that I appreciated, and I just thought the show was cute. Now, I get that it took it a few episodes to hit its stride, and when you only have 10 episodes in a season, that's probably not a great thing. And so I kind of get why it was canceled, but I'm kind of disappointed that it was. We're also watching Young Justice over here. The biggest problem with Young Justice is that there's so much of a gap between seasons that it is hard to follow the show. At some point, I feel like I need to go back and rewatch the whole show from the beginning because they'll reference things all the time, and I don't know if they're referencing an episode in a previous season or if they're referencing just some piece of DC lore that I should know. And of course, as someone who did not grow up with anything but the DC cartoons, I am not steeped in DC lore, and so it is very confusing. 
It's kind of funny to me how the Marvel and DC cartoons take different tacks there because Justice League was kind of this way also in Justice League Unlimited where if you did not follow the comics, they did not help you at all. It was like, here's a bunch of characters and we're not going to explain anything about them. Here's just the story that we're telling. Whereas I feel like Marvel's animated adventures have done a much better job of explaining things for people who might not know the characters. Although, to be fair, I am so steeped in Marvel comic lore that it just might not be a problem for me because I know who all the characters are. And so I'd be interested to know somebody that watches, you know, that doesn't watch any or know any Marvel stuff to watch something like Wolverine and the X-Men or Avengers or Smightiest Heroes and let me know if they felt like they could follow it or not. But I always find the DC uh, animated shows a bit confusing because of that. But all right, that's enough for this week. Join us back next week when Emma Dumont will be joining us. Yes, Emma Dumont, who played Polaris in The Gifted, took the time to record an interview with me. I had a lot of fun talking with her. I had an odd amount of things in common with her that we both kind of remarked upon. Uh, You'll get that in the interview, but yeah, it was a ton of fun. She's definitely a guest that I'd love to have back on again, so check back here next week to hear that interview. But until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to The 42 Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.